welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Atypical leader starts now. Hey, Rick, how are you today? I'm, I'm very good, Judy. I should say this afternoon, really. What time? It's five o'clock. It is. I know. We've got the uh, watermelon martinis <sighs> on the... Uh, ice? Well, uh, not quite no? on ice yet. They're in oh. the laboratory. They're oh. being created as we speak. Oh, yay. I can hardly wait. All righty then. So this week's topic is, what does it feel like to be neurodivergent or atypical? Asked by a non atypical divergent. You mean those people that don't know what it feels like? (laughs) That don't know what it feels like. So this question was posed to me by my best friend, Carolyn, and her daughter, Caitlin. They're very avid listeners of the podcast, and they want to know how do we feel? Like, how does it feel to have a particular condition? Uh, Like dyslexia, ADHD, cognitive dysfunction, OCD, and on and on. It's a tough question to answer, but a good one for us to discuss. There are Probably a lot of people out there asking the same question since they have family members, excuse me, friends or colleagues that have these conditions and attempt to better communicate and support them. They want to understand the feelings and the frustrations that we go through. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I know that we had talked to Carolyn about this the other night. So I've been pondering that question and realizing that it's really not an easy thing to answer. I mean, we all know the symptoms. You can go online and read the right. symptoms right. of those conditions. But to, to talk about what it feels like, that's a tough one. Most of us have lived a lifetime with these conditions, and our neural reality, I guess you'd say, has become just a part of who we are. You know, we really don't have anything to compare to. It's like asking me, what's it like to be a boy? I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a boy. Yeah, yeah, so you don't know anything else, right? I don't know anything else, so what's it feel like to be a boy? The reality is how we feel about our conditions has more to do with how other people react to our conditions. So okay. if everybody slid by and nobody noticed, then you know I may have no feeling about it, but that's usually not the case. People notice what we can do, what we can't do, right. how we stumble, how we might feel with anxiety and so on and so forth. But like I said, it's a hard one to answer. I, you know, if you took me back to my early years and asked me what was it like to be in the class for slow kids, right? I could probably answer that saying, you know, it's probably a little embarrassing, it was probably a little hurtful. And I know that the feeling stuck with me for a lifetime. Right. It's telling yeah. me, you know, this this feeling that somehow I was less than others. But that gets back to, again, how other people treated me. Right. But to describe what it actually feels like to be slow, I don't know. I really, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. Um, well, so. I was, I always felt like I was not stupid. Stupid's the wrong word, but you know, uh, it's, it's funny. I actually, when I was seeing a therapist at one point, she actually said, go and, f-, I said, my mom gave me all my, Report cards. And she said, well, go and look at them. See what you think. I was just normal. I was B plus, A minus, you know? And yet, because my sister and my brother were way up here, 
I was always feeling Well, there you go. Down How you here. prepare yourself right. to others creates a feeling. But it's not a direct feeling of being dyslectic. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. You know, trauma. Thing when my sister died, I mean, I can certainly tell you what that felt like. Oh, you know, it yeah, was sad and all that. But the thing that clings with me more than everything was how my family reacted to that, that silence around the death. No one talked about it. That had more of an impact on me than anything. I just felt abandoned and confused. Why isn't anyone talking about it? Right. That led to, you know, my anxiety attacks when I was a young kid and that sort of stuff. But that's that. But I guess we're going to talk about this a little more. Yeah. You got, we got someone coming on here? We have Miss Carolyn Bilton. Mrs. Sorry, Gavin. Mrs. Okay. Mrs. Carolyn Bilton. And she's she, going to quiz us? She's going to quiz us, but she doesn't know she's coming yet. Oh, she's, it's a surprise attack. <laughs> it's oh, a surprise attack. Wait. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're here, and we've got Carolyn with us, and we have plied her with martinis. Watermelon war- well, martinis. She's going to be on. <laughs> no. And, and her husband is here talking, which I must say has the best head of hair I've ever Doesn't seen. Doesn't he? Oh, He's an amazing head of hair. He I know. But he God. wants to know where the contract is. He wants to know where the money's at. That's well, you know what? It's in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with everything else. Exactly. Like I get paid anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here you are. Carolyn, how are you? I'm much better than I was an hour ago prior to watermelon martinis that are, you know, actually, I think actually, Rick, you're really good at podcasts, but you're a super good martini maker. It is my, I did steal it. I have to give Jonesy in Costa Rica all the credit because it is his recipe. Uh, So I've stolen that, which I'm fine with. I didn't know you stole it from Jonesy's. Oh, yeah. I thought it was your own original one, Rick. No, no, no. Oh, God, Anything I'm so disappointed. that I have, I've stolen. That, ah, so back to Carolyn. So, Carolyn, as we had kind of said in the intro, we had this conversation the other night about how, what's it like, to, what's it feel like to be dyslectic or ADHD? And, and that's, as we kind of did in the intro, I found that it's hard for me to explain, but I wanted to kind of, we wanted to talk to you and kind of get kind of your thought about it, because I'm sure there's all kinds of people out in the pause cats world that are listening to that, wondering that. How does it feel and and how do I react? Can you pose those questions to us and maybe we'll try to answer them as best we can? Well, I guess, you know, listening to the the previous podcasts, which I think have been really interesting, there's been some great um, leadership stuff and a, a lot of talk about different types of neurodivergence. But uh, for those of us that are not as anything specific, I'm actually really curious about what it feels like. What does it feel like to be dyslexic? What I, I, I come from a teaching background, worked with lots of kids who have reading difficulties. Not all would be diagnosed. And I actually, as a teacher, feel that diagnoses don't always serve children, especially young children. But it, it's interesting to me to understand the, you know, the struggles, for example, that a child would have learning to read that's dyslexic. You know, and that's interesting before we get into the feeling, this whole diagnosis thing. Because when you get the di- diagnosis, it brings astigmatism with it, mm-hmm. you know, is one side of it. Yeah. And the other side that we talk to more adults is do you need to be diagnosed? Like for me, I've been diagnosed with dyslexia and cognitive dysfunction, but I got a lot on list of everything else and anybody who knows me wouldn't deny it. But do I need to go get tested? Do I need to get diagnosed? What's the point of that? Uh, you know, I think there is benefit to, for an older child that's really struggling in school 
to perhaps if uh, psychological testing is available, and if they are working well below their grade level, if they are tested, and in Alberta, we call it coded, I think that's probably a a term that's used widely. Oh, can you explain that? Um, if, if you're coded, you are assigned a particular disability, and there's a number, a code that goes with that. With that code comes support within schools. Um, it also is of benefit when a child goes to, to college or university, because there's accommodations. That yeah, see, I didn't provided. have any of that yeah. shit. I know. We we live in a much better time now yeah. where um, there are, you know, things like extra time at university, private rooms where these kids can write tests if they're, especially if they suffer from ADHD. There's Google Read and Write. There's all kinds of programs now for so kids. So we should explain. I mean, you have an educational background. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's where you, you're, you're, the knowledge that you're talking yeah. of you have. I'm interested too in one thing you mentioned the other night. It was called, you called it adaptive behavior. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Well, I think we all have adaptive behavior in one area or another in our lives. And it's what allows us as a species to survive and adapt to many, many societal changes and changes in every aspect of our life. But I, what I think adaptive behavior is in terms of neurodiversity is you learn to mitigate your issues, right? You learn to, you know, kids learn to read, which actually uh, cognitively is a much more complex process if you're dyslexic. They're you're are- freaking smart. Oh. <laughs> no, seriously, she's smart. I know, she's my smart friend. <laughs> no, honest to God, I'm going, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, tell me more. Like, holy Christ. And some of the words she uses, oh my know, God, I'm I looking know. them up What's on my phone on over here. here. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're not giving out her These name guys. and number. People are just going to go there straight to her. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about dyslexia a bit, because you know I have it in some forms, right? I don't switch my letters. I actually switch my whole words. Right. And you have often come and helped me with those words because I have no idea sometimes and I look for them all the time. So I can tell you when I do that, I feel I feel sick. Right? My my in my solar plex, I feel ill. Okay, but if I could interrupt because and can that's the dilemma when you get the feeling. Are you feel you're not feeling dyslexia, you're feeling the anxiety as a result of the dyslexia. You yes. know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, exactly. So it's not, yeah. It's hard to narrow it down. But think about it this way. We all live on the same street and in all the houses on the street is we got cognitive dysfunction in one house, got dyslexia in another, we've got O C D in another and ADHD in another. But over the whole community is this cloud called anxiety. Anxiety, right. And right. at any time, anxiety kind of reigns through that roof. So it, it exacerbates. Well, that's a big word for me. Oh, that's really it exacerbates big. exacerbates that whole feeling of dyslexia right. or OCD or right. whatever. Right? And that's true. You're right. Because what I feel is, you know, I'm feeling anxious. I feel um, stupid. I just, I, I just shut down because I'm, I'm not making sense. I mean, Carolyn understands me, but, you know. She's weird like I am, but you no, know, really, I mean, you know, it's a horrible, horrible feeling when you're talking to someone and you can't find the word or you find the word and you've switched them. We just shut down, right? We just stop talking. We don't say anything and we, right. we just sit there like bumps on the log. That's why God invented rum. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm going to put it back to Carolyn for a minute. Yeah. I think that whole anxiety piece is huge, right? But I think there's something um, to be said for being able to look your disability or your cognitive 
condition or whatever you want to call it. I don't like calling it disability. Just look it in the face and be really open and honest with people. And, and I think that such a good way of dealing with it. We all have stuff. I can't hit a baseball to save my life. You know, that yeah. makes me anxious when something's coming at me, right, I'm, right. you know. But I think that if people understand that you struggle with, in a particular area, I think for the most part, people want to be helpful. They want yeah, to. Yeah, but the dilemma with that is can, we can't all run around with, okay, here, let me show you my list yeah, of diagnoses, right? It almost yeah. comes that we as a society... And I'm not a bleeding heart, so I don't want everyone to be sensitive to everybody. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of silly to me. But you have to have a recognition that people are different. And in being different, there's so much power. Because do we all want to, because as we talked about many times in, in our podcast, is that every real advancement in human history has come from the fringes. It's never come from the core of society. It's all us weird guys. Right. You know, yeah. or word girl, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. Yeah. Just wanted just, to give credit just the where guys, you know. Due, you just know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gavin's oh over there. Well, Gavin's just sucking back those martini, <laughs> I know, I but you. you know, <laughs> you know, he's he's broken it down <laughs> yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that yeah. the guys, you know, he's giving it the thumb up. Okay, um Rick's going to make fun of me if I use any big words here, but not at all. I not at all. I just it it reminds me of a study that I read years and years and years ago how Success in business, in entrepreneurship, is inversely proportional to how well you do in school. So that, I believe, and I, you know, of course, it's not the case across the board, but it goes with what Rick is talking about with the kind of the outliers, right? People who don't necessarily conform to the boxes that the education system in the past has yeah, no, has no, put children sure. into, yeah. I think we're getting actually much better at being able to live outside that box in, in education. But I found that really interesting. And I think it really speaks to adaptive behavior, right? Right, right. You know, you make your life work. Oh, I'm the case study for that. Exactly. Look, I'm, I, yeah. You name it, I got it. And I think not in spite of, but because of. Because and, of, 100%. And yes, I think yes. actually um, neurodiversity should not always be regarded as a negative thing. I think actually there's positive things. That, oh, no, that, I know, mean, that's what this podcast exactly. is all about, yeah. is that for everything I couldn't do, I found a better way to do it. Exactly. I can yeah. rock a team, we're effective and productive, and we have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, so who's got the greater skill? I mean, yeah. Who knows? Well, and there's, it's great that there's lots of people out there that are, are good readers and good writers, right? But, you know, but you found your niche right. and where your strengths lied. Bringing it back to your question, <laughs> you and you and Katie, I think Rick's got a really good analogy that, you know, with the anxiety over top, because you're right. It's, we don't know any different. All I know is that every time I twist my words or anything, somebody somewhere tells me, you know, you, you, that's not right. And I go, yeah. And then the anxiety starts. That, the one thing I was thinking about this, I was thinking about anxiety. And that's the one thing I think I can kind of talk about the feeling. I had absolutely no control. My right. body was in control of my emotion of that, like right. a buzz, like, like that adrenaline is going a hundred miles an hour and I'm in absolutely no control of it. It's almost like it's a chemical imbalance in me. At, at one point, you just learn to accept it. And I think it comes to do with gaining confidence and being more exposed and getting out and about that you get more confident in certain things. But 
Right. Anxiety was a tough one. It still is a tough one. It still one. is tough, yeah. yeah. I know when I get it, not anymore, but when I used to get anxiety, my top lip would move. But, you know, it did, you know, and I thought everyone could see it. But apparently no one, but it was a tremor. Like I would get it and I, I it just freaked me out, right? But anxiety, I think you're right. I think that out of all, when you feel anything, you feel the anxiety. Like you actually feel it in your body. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. And, you know, I guess in terms of working with children, anxiety basically shuts down the capacity for learning. It, you know, in neurospeak, you talk about cortisol levels and stress hormones and all those things that get in the way of people learning. So maybe, you know, the overall message is be conscious of lowering right, anxiety. But can I, levels. I got to add, because I think you're really hitting a good point. So let's mm-hmm. assume. Let's assume, and let's face it, everybody gets anxiety. Absolutely. It's not, it's yeah. not a newer, diverse yeah. thing necessarily. But it, the level of <laughs> someone who's typical who gets, gets anxiety and someone who's newer, diverse who gets anxiety, now it's layered on top of those other so-called limitations, right? Yeah. No, I think that's really fair. And uh, I wonder if recognizing, acknowledging the anxiety that, a person that you're encountering is facing, right? When, But maybe we should just own up. Absolutely. No, I was just going to say, um, since I've started this podcast with you, I own up all the time. Right. I just own up. That's it. You know, I, well, I started with you. You know, we were talking one night and I said, you know, I, I do. Then Carolyn said, yeah, I know this. And I said, well, can you just help me out? You know, like, but she doesn't make me feel stupid. She doesn't make me feel inadequate. She just goes, you know, here's the word, right? Kind of thing. And, but since I've started this podcast, particularly, I just say, hey, <laughs> that's me. Like, I'm going to screw up my words. I'm going to say inappropriate things. Things are going to come out of my mouth without going through my brain. As you know. I was going to speak to you about that. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) I do need to interject. That's exactly what we love about Judy. (laughs) Well, isn't that the funny thing? But isn't that the truth of so many of us? Absolutely. And I really, and Gavin, I'm looking at you, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is that, you know, your connection with people is... It's, it's about their imperfections. It's that little oddness in someone you kind of go like, well, that's kind of weird. That's kind of cool. I could hang with that guy. It's not the perfect doctor, the perfect looking guy who's dressed perfectly. You go, oh, I got to hang with him. It's that little odd guy. It's that, you know, that's what attracts you to people. Absolutely. Now, We're Gavin, all- you have, you're just smiling at me. I don't know if I'm <laughs> right or wrong. So you got to give me a nod or, yeah, okay, okay. We all become secure in our insecurities, I think. Right. You know, it really, that's how people connect, whether you're neurodiverse or not, right? So is that also what Katie was wondering about too? Because she's coming from a, a nursing background, like an LPN. I think she is. Yeah. So is that what she was looking for too? Yeah. And that's exactly what she was looking for. Um, just to develop a better understanding because she also works with children. And again, it, it's, it's very complex, you know, to, to try to break it down. Right. But I think that um, some of the points that both of you have made uh, tonight have been, very enlightening in terms of, I think that anxiety piece, though, Mm -hmm. the overarching anxiety, I guess you have to ask yourself, do I really need to know the specifics of what that neurodivergence looks like? Or do I just need as a practitioner? Do I just need to know that I need to work on the anxiety? And you know what, it goes to business and support that. So sometimes you get people get up and make a speech. 
and they're nervous as shit, and everybody knows it. And I've just seen so many times that in the eyes of other executives, that defines their competency in some way. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? One speech, one moment in time, who gives a shit? Right. Giving, a, as we've discussed before, giving a good speech means nothing. Right. I well, mean, I mean, it's nice. Well, to do, it was it nice, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that they're you as a leader. leader, right? And that's the yeah. most important thing, Rick. It is. That's absolutely true. But there is just to switch gears a little bit because there's one area I think we need to talk about is the spectrum. Because you know, everyone thinks of ADHD as one thing and thinks of autism. I mean, autism gets yeah. the spectrum gets talked about a little more, but OCD and just on and on with all the different conditions. And ADHD can't, it, we typically see ADHD as that guy bouncing or a girl bouncing off the walls. But the, spec, the ADHD person is also the person lying on the couch who can't get off the couch. And every spectrum has that degree of, so again, what's it feel like to be dyslectic? It's a spectrum. You feel it different than I, I feel it different than other people. What's it feel like to be have ADHD who just spoke to or OCD and just goes on and on. That that spectrum, you have to appreciate that. It's it's a different thing for everybody. And we talk about how everybody with neurodiversity has their own mental footprint, their own way that they see the world. So don't expect any of us are the same or that you can react to any of us or give us the same game plan because, oh, they're neurodiverse. They have dyslexia, so here's exactly how you should do or I should treat you. That's just not the way it works. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that if somebody is open to explaining or describing or sharing some of their challenges, I think that's great. You know, I think it's good to have that level of comfort where somebody can actually like, you know, like Judy has certainly shared. I, I think that's helpful to all of us. And but I, you know, honestly, I think we could all plot ourselves somewhere on these spectrums. To be honest, I think we, we all deal with stuff and challenges, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. There's just no so, doubt about it. And I think I agree with you both that that's what makes the world interesting. And maybe the biggest learning is that this sense of that we have to bring everything to the middle, to the core. Yeah. When, why don't we bring things to the edges? Like, why do we focus on everyone being normal, everyone being the same, everyone being appropriate, everyone being whatever? Maybe it should be the ap opposite of that. Well, and I think uh, culturally, in many aspects, we are moving more towards the edges yeah, you know, and, so, and yeah. having a much greater comfort level with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would hope. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah. So that was all pretty awesome. Pretty good. I told you no, she would no, be. No, no, yeah. she's awesome. Yeah, wow, she wow. is. Yeah, Got I've learned, all. you know, I've learned a lot from her about yeah. neurodiversity, you know, because she, uh, you know, of course, as you know, when we started this, I knew absolutely nothing about it, but it's become a, a passion of mine. And we talk a lot about it. And she comes from the education arena where she deals with children all the time with it. And it's been really interesting to learn what is happening now as opposed to when we were kids. Right. You right. know? And and as we always say, you know, kids that are dealing with it now are going to end up in the boardrooms later. I right. Guess the only thing I worry about as I see so happen in business is, you know, that pendulum swings. Yeah. And if you could get it right in the middle and have the right balance, it's great. But typically it it swings too far. Yeah, it does. It goes in one both way or the directions. other. Yeah. We're way Definitely. too sensitive or we totally ignore. Right. And to get it in the middle is tough. And I think that's where we, we can really drive awareness and drive the practicality of it all. 
Yeah, well, we'll have to see. But it's been very interesting. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Friggin even though awesome. Wow. I know that you were kind of forced, but we did give you uh, watermelon martinis. Okay, chin chin. Yeah, chin chin. chin. chin it was chin, all chin. worth it. Okay, great. <laughs> for these. Cheers. Yeah, okay. It's like a little <laughs> celebration. So thank you very much, ladies. It was, it's been an absolute pleasure. What a great conversation. Yes. Yes, thank you. And I will be selling my recipe, well, Jonesy's recipe for (laughs) watermelon martini online. Don't tell tell Jonesy. I won't tell Jonesy. All right. So that's it. Ciao. Thanks for joining us today and listening to another episode of The Atypical Leader. If you haven't already done so, like, share, and follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. By liking and sharing, you will help other atypicals find all of us. So we can all start to leverage the stories, strategies, and strengths of what make us all unique. Keep listening and remember, take charge and push away those self-doubts. Leverage what we're talking about. Be confident in who you are and proud of what makes you unique. So join me, Rick Brennan, and my co-host Judy Sims on the next episode of The Atypical Leader. To learn more about us, leadership, and neurodiversity, please go to our website, atypicalleader.com. Thanks for listening. Let's do it again next week.